Traveling the Vortex We've joined the Doctor as he enters the Reality Gate and arrive at episode 571, where we're not going to let the grown-ups have a go. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. And where's How's everybody this week? Anybody, good. anybody do anything or watch anything? We went and saw Zoo Lights tonight for mm. one of their kickoff events. Oh, nice. Make the zoo all pretty and lit up, and half of it was not. Because apparently the uh, the rain and the electricity oh, did not mix so well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it'd be a wet and cold night to do that. Yeah, we we were laughing about it because we, we've done this before, and it's a, it's a wonderful event. I don't want to take anything away from the event. But previous years that we've gone to this, it seems like we always managed to get there kind of late in the run, and things have started to malfunction. You know, the, the, the kids tripped over the, the this and knocked down one of the displays or this one burned out or that. So there's little patches of it that you could see where this was gorgeous once upon a time. And it's still very pretty, but it's not now. So we were super excited about this kickoff event because we thought everything will be working. This is going to be great. And then we get there and half of the zoo is burned out because of whatever <laughs> electrical issue they were having with the rain. <laughs> And so we just kind of went, eh, <laughs> par for the course. <laughs> but it's still good. And once they once they uh, once they get it all up, I highly recommend it. If you've not been, it's very pretty. We've got uh, Stormont Vale bought out. I think it was Sunday, this coming Sunday, and so we're going Sunday night. Sean what, or Keith, what about you? <laughs> 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 yeah, I guess I guess he couldn't outdo you, so he left. <laughs> does, does, does the recording program pick up the? I don't know. I think it, I think it does because I think it comes in through um, Discord, which I'm recording from. So <laughs> I was trying to open the mirror article that Glenn posted in the document, mm. and it caused my computer to freak out. No, oh, sorry. <laughs> not gonna do that again <laughs> keith what about you did you do, do anything watch anything i got my i got my christmas lights up and that's about it hmm. before it get cold got cold uh we went and saw xanadu at um washburn which was a lot of fun uh really really good musical and the the cast did just amazing the the gal that does the uh, the lead Cleo, she just, man, she was, or Kira, she was so good. In fact, there was times where I th- I felt she sounded like Olivia Newton-John. Mm. And then the guy who played Sonny was pretty good too. But yeah, it was, it was, it was quite enjoyable. And now the $64,000 question, was there roller skating? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They, <gasps> what they did is it, you know, they, you've got, yeah, you've got the round theater. And Mm -hmm. so what they did is they took the stage all the way to the floor, which I think most of the time it is, there's only occasions that they do the the raised floor, but, um, and then it was, so it was a big circle and then they did kind of a minimal set thing, which worked really well, especially since they needed all that room. And I say probably for two thirds of the, uh, show she's on skates for about a half the show, Sonny's on skates. And then there's a big skate number at the end 
and yeah it was it was it was pretty cool it was really well done There's a lot of roller skating then yeah oh yeah yeah nice. there was a uh, one point where sonny goes off kind of off stage but he's he's there where you can see him from not even from the waist down it's just she's talking and there's stuff going on and then like he's walked over there and then two minutes later he skates onto the stage and you're like Wait a minute. When did he put these skates on? <laughs> well, come to find out, there's a trap door there on that side, and apparently somebody had lifted that door and put them on him while you're being distracted by what's be- happening on stage. So, but she comes nice. over. And it's really well done because she comes over, and she does this little thing where she kind of throws this like magic dust in the air, kind of over him, and then suddenly he starts skating in, and it's like he. Like she magicked some <laughs> skates on time. It was really, really kind of cool. Nice. But for a small production of about 10, yeah, 10 people, it was really, really well done. They all say who is this is Tim Trelaw. This is David J. Howe. I'm Peter Purvis. I am C.G. Miller. This is Lauren Cornelius. Larry, it's Fraser. For all things in the Doctor Who collecting world and beyond, the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. I'm Larry Van Mersberg and your host, and I've been collecting for 42 years. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex on the Direction Point Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Rupert Booth. I am known as Paul Ferry. And my name is Barry Williams. Together, we host Time Ram. Time Ram's a cruel mistress. It's a random number generator. That also. We roll a number from 1 to 30, and that's our doctor. Then 1 to 300 for the story, and then we ram them together. Even if it doesn't make sense. Cruel, I tell you. Time round. Putting the wrong doctors in the wrong stories, so you don't have to. You're listening to Travelling the Vortex. I did do one other thing. Um... I listened to Doctor Who, the Decades Collection, 90s, 2000s, and 2010s. Oh, yeah. So that's going to be my something new two-minute review. So this is a a nice little set of novellas that covers these three decades. The first, uh, I listened to the audio version. The first one was a Tenth Doctor and Donna story read by Jacob Dudman, which kind of a a miss in this whole box that that Jacob Dudman didn't do the 11th Doctor story. But it's a nice 10th Doctor Donna story dealing with some girl bands, um, pop bands, superstars that, you know, Donna grew up with and got to go back and be involved with that kind of their creation. And it's got a nice alien aspect to it that felt very much like a 10th Doctor story. But it was really enjoyable. The the characterizations were good, and the the overall story, I I thought, worked well. Uh, 2000s focused on a Ninth Doctor and Rose story, but it's all told from the perspective of an 11-year-old girl uh, whose brother and mother get taken by a monster in her cupboard. It turns out to tie into a rift that the TARDIS is going to come repower on, and it's it's a pretty solid story. It, it kind of, because it's the benefit to it, I think is focusing from this one character's perspective. And so it kind of allows you to see everything from her, her view and 
really helps kind of amp up the fear to it and also leave the Doctor a bit more of a mystery. And then the final one uh, was an 11th Doctor story sent in the 2010s called The Angel of Redemption. And it is from the perspective of the weeping angel that sent Amy and Rory to their final destination, oh, essentially. That's that's kind of a novel idea. Yeah, it's it. I think it would work better in a written format because it's a lot of very short chapters, mm. but it kind of gives you a vague back history of the angels as a species, and kind of how they they work and communicate with each other, and then this one specific angel goes through this kind of growth of character. And winds up saving the doctor, spoilers, uh, <laughs> at the end of it. But I won't say how they, she goes about doing this or why the doctor is even in danger. Oh, but, okay. So it was very well done and very, very clever. Um, but I think it probably would have been a little better read as opposed to, to listen to. Mm. And that's my something new two-minute review. Hello, fellow time travelers, and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whip, and every two weeks or so, I'm joined by a two- to three-person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979. That would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including Dalton Hughes and Allison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point podcast. You are invited on an adventure across all of time and space, in a completely random order. It's the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. Jump in the TARDIS with your hosts, Eric Goldbranson, Asad Khashki, and Matthew Kressel. Explore Doctor Who TV stories, audio adventures, and books, both novels and non-fiction. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. It's the entire Who-niverse. On Shuffle. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a member of the Direction Point Network and is available about once a month wherever you find your podcasts. You are listening to Traveling the Vortex. Well, let's talk about some upcoming conventions. Chicago TARDIS this weekend in Chicago, Illinois. It's here. Who's November, going? November 24th through the 26th. And uh, that'll be featuring Lisa Bowerman, Michael Trout, and Colin Baker, Caroline Ford, Peter Davis, and Sylvester McCoy, and the Traveling Vortex game. Oh, no. We aren't going to be there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <coughs> um, but one of these years, one of these years, we will be there. Um, and then, of course, Athens Con is happening in the uh, Palo Fleiro, Greece, I think is how you say it. And uh, that's December 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. And Eric Roberts will be at that one. And traveling the... Oh. <laughs> yeah. We're going to Greece, boys. <laughs> and that is your upcoming Doctor Who conventions for now. Well, let's move on to news. You want to take the first one, Glenn, since it caused my uh, Discord to Skype out? <laughs> yes, I, I, can, I can do that. I don't want to click on that link. <laughs> uh, so the first one is the Mirror reporting that um, BBC Doctor Who fans could see the entire back catalog given a modern 
overhaul. Um, basically, it's uh, alluding to the fact that because the Daleks is getting the color treatment uh, to be screened this coming week, actually on uh, Thursday, the War Games is said to have been next on the schedule. And in the latest uh, issue, Doctor Who magazine showrunner Russell T. Davis has said that he intends to colorize each story or every story that he can. And so it appears that the mirror is reporting that uh, the war games will be the next one, which, uh, you know, I was thinking, well, that's a 10 part story. That's a lot to colorize, but they'll probably do the same treatment they do with the Daleks where they took a seven part story and, and trimmed it down to 70, what, five oh. minutes and colorized it. So I imagine they might do the same thing with the war games is make it a, a, a more omnibus, uh, shorter version of the the entire story which might be well, based off based off the headline i mean you can't do the entire back catalog colorizing well, because yes. <laughs> most of it's colored so if they're giving it a modern overhaul that would indicate that uh omnibus tightening up of the story would give it that modern the, kind of overhaul the war games about. is not in color no but Anything post that? Is. Oh, anything post that? Oh, yeah. Well, I think he means. I mean, the I think headline he, says the entire. Yeah, I, you, you're right. I think he. <laughs> I think they mean the the black and white television. But although, yeah, you know that that Dean said though, maybe he intends to take a uh, story from each era and give it the. Although they've kind of already done that with uh, Genesis of the Daleks. But take a story of every every era and kind of give it a because you know I think it's uh, Mark Ayers uh, has recorded new soundtrack for this Daleks so there's that's coming up so there's going to be you know some tweaks beyond the colorization so maybe that's the idea is to take a story and surely we could find a couple of Pertwee stories that don't need to be seven parts <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Who and the Silurians I'm looking at you <laughs> although the article. <laughs> Oh, I am. <laughs> the article does get more specific and, you know, talk about just colorization. So maybe it's just a clickbait headline. Yeah, that's what I kind of assumed. And it is the mirror, so you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. Who knows if it's actually going to be the war games. And who knows if uh, Russell is going to do more, although he has stated, he did state in the in the uh, recent issue of the magazine that he intends to colorize everything he can, so... We'll see how it goes. Yeah. I'd like to see how he's going to colorize those missing episodes. <laughs> I'm so oh, excited. Oh, wait. The animation have, has done that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you take the next one, Keith. Oh, up, uh, up next in news, we had kind of bemoaned that we weren't getting the eye player treatment, and turns out, we were a little early to speak because all of classic who is now streaming on Tubi completely for free. Well, not all of, but over 600 episodes. Yeah. Is it it the same? (laughs) All of who that BBC iPlayer has. (laughs) Well, no, I don't even think it's that much, but it is. Yeah. It's a good chunk of everything. It is. When I was scrolling through, it even has the animated stuff. Oh, okay. So maybe it is, maybe it does have everything that, the I think I think the difference is because iPlayer said over 800 episodes and dropped all of New Who on there too because uh, this is classic. It's only 600. So. Mm, yeah, okay, that makes sense. 
Now there are, you said there are ads, but they are very minimal right now. They are ads. I watched one episode so far and it, um, had an ad at the very beginning and an ad about halfway through it, which Hmm. the ad halfway, the ad at the beginning was a little long. I don't know how long, um, I didn't look that closely, but halfway through was maybe 30 seconds to a minute max. So it wasn't bad at all. On uh, anything I've watched on Tubi has averaged about two and a half, two to two and a half minutes. So that first ad may have been about that long. Yeah. So if they keep it that way, that's not bad. And I just looked Galaxy 4 is on there. Ooh. That just happened to be the one I was able to pull up first. So all the animation, most of the animations, if not all of them are there as well. That's so. cool. And they've well, got a nice little new to who primer section that if you haven't watched any, um, you could watch it. And it looks like Doctor Who Am I is also on Tubi. Oh, I think so I the, saw that. Was that in your documentary? In your link, I saw. No, I think I saw that on whatever was advertising that. Oh, uh, I saw it on TikTok. One of my uh, the guys I follow had had broke this news about how to how to get it he actually started out with explaining that roku tv has it streaming but you can't start you know at the beginning you have to watch whatever's on at the time and it's it's streaming live and then he also pointed out that pluto tv still has their doctor who channel and then he pointed out that tubi has it and you can watch it at your own leisure so not live streaming. So it does look like tubi does not have the older animations, just the newer animations. Okay. okay. <clears throat> so the invasion is not on Tubi. Probably not invasion. Mm. Um, what's the French one? Reign of, uh, Reign terror. of terror. Most of season four looks like it is there. Mm. But those are all mostly new. Right. I'm trying to get to where Reign of Terror was. That was season two. It was season was that two. Season one. No, that was season two. Oh well, no, it might have been the end of. Se- no, it's. No, season it's the it's, it's the end of season one. It's near the end of season one. It is not season one ends with the censor rights. Okay. So not everything, but a large chunk of it. Maybe maybe eventually. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, Tenth Planet is not one either. Yeah. So. I wonder if it's anybody that was done by the animations, the previous animation studios. Maybe they're still trying to secure some rights. Yeah, it could be possible. Anything that that, uh, BBC America paid for. (laughs) (laughs) That's still pretty awesome that you can get a decent back catalog of Doctor Who on demand. There's a live TV option and an on-demand option. Mm. Because, like... Roku TV and Pluto has live options, but you're kind of at the whims of whatever's airing at that time. Or it's nice to have an on-demand option. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited. More who? That's right. I do have to also preface it is these are not the Blu-ray copies. I watched the first episode of the three doctors and some of that, the video quality wasn't super great. So mm. it must've been coming from the DVDs. Yeah. Because that one is on, that one is out on Blu-ray and one of the, uh, Pertwee seasons. So I guess I should ask Sean if he wants to talk about the, um, <laughs> 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 the rumor mills article that he, uh, showed us. 
The, the, the elephant in the room. The right? elephant in the room. The, the same article that's been redressed every single time. Yes, there are collectors sitting on them. Yes, they are afraid to turn them over. Yes, they are out there. Yes, we don't know what they are, but we speculate what they are. Uh, we're referring to MovieWeb, who did another article. I think the thing that this one go went as far to say, and I think that's been implied by some of the articles, and I think this is what was implied by Philip Morris, although I think he was being very cagey and trying not to give too much information, but I think it's been disclosed out there before that it is for there. At least some of the collectors that have them are former employees. And that's what the, the, the biggest fear of retribution is, is from these guys having had them and being former employees, it does make it one step closer to, and the, the people that, you know, the fans and the people that are trying to get them returned want the BBC to, offer assurances that they aren't going to take any sort of legal act action. And this falls back on a, a story that I cannot find anymore, but I read a year ago when all this was about, apparently there was a presenter from the BBC that had collected a bunch of old television that he was holding on to. And he decided he wanted to turn it back over to the BBC and, you know, because he had it and he wasn't even like stealing it or hoarding it. He just had it. But apparently when the BBC found out, they sent people to raid his home and took it. And then they threatened litigation against him and all this stuff. So, so that one incident is what has a lot of these collectors afraid to come forward and return what's, what they have. So the, the three things that I took away from this particular article that were new to me, mm-hmm. and, and I, I always... You know, yes, I always bring it up, and yes, I'm, you know, <laughs> eternally hopeful that the Omni rumor is going to be a thing. I'm always amazed when something is is reported for somebody who just absolutely does not believe in it, doesn't really care about it, or at least professes to, Glenn sure knows a lot about this. Well, I think that's that's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem is, I think what they're doing is they're redressing this same story and people like you keep falling for it. And that's what's annoying about it is it's it's almost got to the point where it's clickbait. This, this website has gotten the information, they've redressed it, they've maybe pulled a few more things out of it but it doesn't say anything more than to anybody. It doesn't say anything more than there are episodes out there that people aren't going to return. That's uh, see, I ultimately that's what it comes down to. The the three things that I took away from this article that were new to me mm-hmm. at any rate mm-hmm. was that they were specifically calling out two episodes mm-hmm. in particular. They were specifically mentioned to be William Hartnell episodes. Mm-hmm which is not something that I had heard before. I just, okay, lost episodes. Well, obviously it's going to be either a Hartnell or a Troughton. I mean, you know, there's mm-hmm. only, there's only so much room there. Um, and the, the, the third one being that the collectors are willing to turn them in, but fear the reprisals. Now that had been broke, uh, whatever the last week or week before that, uh, that for me, again, for me, that was a new one that I had heard you know, just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that was from the Guardian episode that we talked about a while back. So, 
but in but fact, fact most they, of the, most of this is repackaged from that Guardian article. Yeah. So, but just the fact that you know, okay, so they've narrowed it down even more that it's it's not just missing episodes are being held on to. Yes, we've known that, but the fact that it is two episodes in particular now. So which which we, ones? Well, that's just it. We yeah. Don't so know. It that's could that's be two episodes of William but, Hartnell that we already have. That's my point, though. Is until you tell me what they have, there's no new news here because we know it has to at least be William Hartnell or Patrick Troughton. We know that those are the ones that are missing. And if you're going to say, okay, well, these are William Hartnell episodes. Great. But which ones are they? So there's nothing new to it. That's why I think I get so frustrated and I'll let you continue with the other discoveries, but that's why I get so frustrated with these articles is because they, they are just fluff to get people to click on their articles and they're there. It's timely because this is the, the, well, in this came out, it's the week of the anniversary and so they're they're doing it to get views is all they're doing. But go go ahead. I um I, I divulge. Well, I, I suppose the first thing that I want to ask is I don't know. Do we think that the BBC reacted the way the BBC reacted and that the fear going forward is that the BBC will continue to react to that way? Well, because it is a government in, uh, institution. Yeah, I think ultimately that's what it comes down to. Is that they're, I mean, if they're, you stole from the U.S. It, government, they'd want their property yeah, back. Yeah, if you know? if it were a if if it if it were something in the United States, I think there would be less repercussions because you know, uh, depending on how you got something, if you didn't outright steal it, then there's a lot lot less legal recourse that somebody could do. In the UK, because television is government regulated and government controlled and government created, there is a boundary there, I suppose, that legality is uh, more severe as far as retribution in that, or at least perceived to be, because, and and again, I think that honestly the problem is, is that the BBC has reacted poorly in the past, so they have basically scared a lot of people, ex-employees, Particularly, they've scared a lot of people into, you know, coming forward with these. So now the next question I have is if now, as, obviously, as a fan, mm -hmm. we want the BBC to just say, OK, amnesty. Right, you know, right, right. Just, and just so and this, it in. For so sake, so this scan it. let's make a copy. Of so it. this this article is saying that the BBC has changed their mind or has come out and said they would do that. No, that's so, well. That's what again. The that's again. That's my point. It's stuff we already know. The BBC has okay. been silent on this kind of stuff. We know there's stuff out there. It doesn't make any sense to continue to report that there's stuff out there that nobody's going to get to see until somebody makes a move, and there's no moves being made. Okay, but where I want to go now is I want to move on from that article okay. <laughs> and not necessarily the reporting of it, right, right. but I want to, I want to discuss this situation. So as fans, we want the BBC to, to offer that amnesty. We, yes. we want to see the stuff returned if for Absolutely. no other reason, because we want to watch it. Absolutely. And, and I, I, I think that, you know, uh, that we would even be okay with don't return it. Just let us make a copy of it. Let us scan it into so that we have it in the archive and you can keep the original film reel. I don't care at that point. Well, and we even we can't even, make that decision though. The BBC. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, obviously. Decision. Obviously. Okay, but okay. as 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 fans, I think we would all be okay with that, you know, if it oh, came absolutely. down to it. Even if it was a matter of you were a BBC employee at the time 
And yes, you stole it. We have video of you taking that reel and walking out the door with it. But if you bring it back in and let us make a copy of it, we won't say nothing. I mean, that's where the fans, I think, would like to see this go. Well, I think I think you're overstating there too. I don't think the BBC has any evidence that that it's stolen. So I think oh, that no. that I think that even is one mark for these ex employees is there's probably no proof that they walked out of there with them, and there's a chance that they were you know veteran or they were veterans, sorry, they were uh, film collectors after they had left the BBC because they worked in television and they may have obtained these materials from somewhere else and not walked out the door with them. Right. But even if it was to that point, the fan side of things is just let them come back. Mm -hmm. Now on the BBC side of things, the, the, the legality of the government aside, don't you think it would kind of make sense if you were in charge of the BBC? Isn't there something that you could issue a statement and yes, we'll work with people. I, I'm, I'm just really shocked that if this kind of news is going to continue to be reported, especially because it's the 60th anniversary and we're going worldwide and we've got the Disney dollars and we've got the, this would, doesn't it make sense for the BBC to take a step back and say, we overreacted. Yeah, we're so sorry. Let me, let's, let's, let's extend this olive branch. Yeah. Let me, let me put, let me put this forth because maybe this is what's not being conveyed in this as well. The reason why we keep getting the same story over and over again is because we don't know what's happening behind scenes. We don't know. That's true. The BBC may very well be working with some people They're They're probably working with these intermediaries to get this stuff back. They're probably, you know, there is, st the problem is we get these speculative articles from these film guys that supposedly are in the know but they can't say much and so we get these really vague articles that end up being the same thing we know we don't know what's going on behind the scenes yes all of that could be happening yes we definitely want that but we wanted that you know a year ago when this was first reported we wanted this three years ago when philip morris reported this now morris was more implied that it was collectors that just didn't want to give it up. Not necessarily that it was people that were afraid of retribution that has come to light in the last you know year. But ultimately until there is movement until we find, until the BBC comes out and says we're granting amnesty or until we have a collector saying, you know what, I'm going to come forward with it anyway. This is all just a retread of the same news. I think that's my only point about this is it's doesn't do anybody any good to get fans excited about the possibility of more Doctor Who out there when nothing's being, when there's no movement on it. And I think ultimately what this does is it's it's a disservice because for the people that want it back, they get frustrated and they get mad and they get angry because that's just what we do on the internet now. And whenever you put these out, you constantly bring that anger back to the surface. And they're, you know, because people are frustrated that they can't see these classic stories that allegedly are being held out there somewhere. So that's why I hesitate to continue to to drive these stories into the discussion, because it was fun to discuss this 
you know, three years ago and 10 years ago when the omnibus rumor was out, it was fun to discuss that kind of stuff back then, but now it's just old hat and it's just angering people. And we don't need any more anger in Dr. Who, because we're going to be talking about something here in a little bit. That's going to be bringing up the whole reason that there's anger in Dr. Who again. So that's see, just my just point about, that's just my I... point of, of these articles being really just nothing, nothing burgers. When there is something that is new to me in one of these articles, even if it's the same old story, but then there's a little nugget of, oh, I didn't know that part of it. Mm-hmm. To me, it it is hope. Yeah. It, it is it, hope springs eternal. And that's because I'm an optimist. I'll yeah. admit it. I've got my rose-colored glasses on. So uh, I, I don't look at it as, you know, is it frustrating? Yes, absolutely. It's frustrating. And, and, and you know, once again, I would plea if there's a collector out there contact us we'll figure out a way to help you and make it work contact sean particularly <laughs> particular me I'll, 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 I'll do what i can he'll he'll work but, as a liaison uh, yes absolutely absolutely willing to do it absolutely but um fair I'm, enough i'm, I'm always, always hopeful fair enough well, I did put it in there so we could talk about it again anyway. I could have just said, no, we're not talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to talk about it. Uh, he did. He likes to be poked with a stick. Well, should we move on to some stuff that we actually have? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, first thing we're doing is we're going to review Talking Doctor Who, which is a documentary um, that is hosted by none other than David Tennant. Uh, looking back at the history of Doctor Who and giving a bit of a, a synopsis, giving a bit of a primer and behind the scenes of uh, 60 years worth of television. So go ahead, Keith. As part of the 60th anniversary celebrations of Doctor Who, David Tennant time travels back through the BBC archives to tell the story of the Doctor's classic era with a classic of us uh, with a selection of rarely seen interviews and clips covering William Hartnell's first incarnation right through the seventh Doctor Sylvester McCoy. On the way, David compares some of his own experiences with the actors who came before him and shares special archive moments that reveal, amongst other things, how to film a regeneration, which actor was a master of modern gadgetry, including a collapsible caravan, and what the factors (laughs) were that helped decide how a doctor selects his own individual and distinctive costume. Well, what'd you think of it, Sean? <laughs> Where was that section? I don't remember the costume part. Uh, it, it was briefly talked about <clears throat> there at the end, um, or near the end. Uh, they talked about, I think he talked about how uh, the third Doctor got his by stealing it. I mean, it's just, it was a little throwaway. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was just a little throwaway okay. thing in the middle there. It wasn't really a, a, a t- it wasn't as... As it wasn't as long of a piece as the uh, collapsible caravan. I will say, <laughs> I don't want to disparage this documentary because this documentary isn't for somebody like me. It was fun to hear David Tennant talk, especially when he's wa- the best parts of this was him watching the clips and then oh, making yes, his absolutely. own commentary about things. Loved that. The problem is the the rarely seen things. Yeah, they they are rarely seen by people. But I had seen everything in this, every single interview they did in this, I had seen somewhere, with the exception of the collapsible caravan. I had never seen (laughs) that clip of John Pertwee showing off his collapsible caravan and, and, you know, collapsing it, what do you say, 40 seconds, which I think it was actually like two minutes, but (laughs) we'll give you the benefit of the doubt. So for me, this was a nice 
trip down memory lane again. It was nice to see some of these interviews that, you know, I had seen before that rare, uh, William Hartnell clip is always very cringy to me because it's from a point in his life where he's kind of tired of hearing about it and he's wanting to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't get a lot of that in a lot of the surrounding media. So to get it from his, you know, from the horse's mouth there, it's, it's, it's like, Oh yeah. And you know, Patrick Troughton obviously told that, uh, lady that's interviewing her, him, a lot of stuff that didn't, then he didn't want her to bring up. And then she brought up <laughs> because he just, Oh no, I didn't say that. That's a lie. I didn't do it. And I thought, you know what? Yeah, you did. <laughs> but anyway, so those are a little cringy there, but I think everything beyond that, you know, is, is it's kind of fun to, to, to rewatch, but there was nothing new to this. Although I don't think I expected there to be anything. I sort of expected it to be what it was. Um, but as a presentation for people that aren't as in the know, that the notwees as they call them in the UK, um, I think this was a good, you know, uh, um, overlook at the behind the scenes of Doctor Who, and 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 I could see where it was very enjoyable. As someone who has not delved into every single bonus feature and watched all these classic interviews, <laughs> the only one I had seen was William Hartnell. That translates and to as to I... somebody who has a life. <laughs> as to a not we <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed the whole thing <laughs> I, I, I'd seen I don't think I think I got annoyed and frustrated with William Hartnell and turned off that interview mm-hmm. when I tried watching it the first time on its own um, but I thought this was I went into this kind of expecting it to be like a Doctors Revisited type yeah, thing Yeah, mm-hmm. and I thought it was a very unique approach to Look at the history of Doctor Who through the interviews with the actors who played the Doctor I would agree on with that. Yeah. talk shows. Yeah. I, I thought that was a unique premise to go forth with the documentary and not completely rehash everything that everything everyone has seen before. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. So, with that. yeah, the diehard fans who pick up all the Blu-rays and dive into every single bonus feature. Uh, this probably isn't anything new for them, but as someone who has not done that, just with young kids don't have the time, I got a lot out of this and really enjoyed it. I, I, I don't know. Okay, maybe I didn't get a lot out of it, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was it was a half hour of entertainment for sure. Or oh, yeah, yeah. an hour and of entertainment. It was an hour, yeah, yeah, pretty much an hour of entertainment. And it wasn't, yeah, while the interviews and stuff wasn't, weren't revealing or shocking or giving me a lot of knowledge. It was great to see those actors out of character and mm-hmm. sometimes in character doing <laughs> yeah. interviews. Right. <laughs> Specifically John Pertwee. John Pertwee, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just really enjoyable. I liked it a lot. I'm still struggling with all of that. The collapsical caravan? Well, yeah, the cla- <laughs> that, that just really shattered my little mind. Your, yours never collapsed that fast, did it? <laughs> no, it didn't. <laughs> I mean, you can take a sledgehammer to it and it'll collapse pretty quick. But um, I, I, I actually sat down with Shy to watch this because the description, David Tennant travels back in time to look at classic Who... I kind of assumed it was going to be a primer mm. for new viewers to to come in. And here's an overview. And as Keith said, you know, it's kind of like Doctors Revisited. Very quickly, 
went, oh, wait, no, that's not what this is. <laughs> this is a whole bunch of talking head interviews and, and, and recapping other interviews. And yeah, I'm sure Shai, it's okay. Shai's attention just went, whoop, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was really hoping for something magical that would get her into who, mm. and this was not it. Not it, it no. <laughs> um, now, I kind of straddle the line between the two of you. Because I, I don't necessarily think of myself as a not we, but there were many of these interview clips that I had not seen before. Um, I, I, I think I had seen the the, the, the Hartnell one and uh, parts of uh, the the Tom Baker one. I think were probably the only two that I was real familiar with. For the mm -hmm. rest of it was all was all pretty new. And so the clips in themselves were interesting and uh, attention-grabbing. But I, I, I just kind of struggled with, who is this documentary for? <laughs> because a newbie coming to the show who, who, who knew nothing about it, I don't think would really get a whole lot out of these interview segments. Mm -hmm. And uh, a, a, a fan who has devoured all of the Blu-ray content isn't going to see anything new. Mm -hmm other than David Tennant's reactions to, to some of these things. Well, clearly, clearly this is made for Keith. Apparently. <laughs> I mean, there's the answer to your question. So, so uh, I, I'm, I'm very glad that, uh, that we got David Tennant and uh, a half hour for Keith because, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, just kind of beyond that, I'm sitting here going who in England is sitting here watching this going oh i didn't know that <laughs> I just... <laughs> and to be fair it is airing on bbc4 it's not like it's on bbc1 yeah that's true i mean it's it's kind of a just kind because of the number's shoot. higher doesn't make it any less important <laughs> i think that i thought it did <laughs> bbc1 was the prestige and bbc4 yeah, BBC is the espn the ocho <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> Isn't that how that works? I mean, let's not forget, Torchwood started on BBC Three. I mean, <laughs> this is like Disney XD. Come on. <laughs> All right, fair enough. <laughs> I, I I like it for what it is. I think it. I think it's great. It just going into it, I was I was hoping it was going to be something different, and then it was just more of a for me, just walking down memory lane of of things I had already seen. I was glad to have watched it. I didn't. It didn't feel like it was an hour. It it really mm -hmm. felt like it went. It clipped along, and I think a lot of that has to do with the 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 bridging of it by David Tennant. He's he's very engaging, charismatic, and it was fun to watch him watch those clips because it's it's stuff that he obviously hadn't seen before, which <laughs> was great. Yeah, I could have done. You know, if you want to give me a whole hour of David Tennant geeking mm -hmm. out over Doctor Who, I'm all for yeah. it. I mean, yeah. yeah. Definitely that, that's definitely the that. highlights of it. That and the collapsible caravan. Yeah, yeah. Which really felt like a commercial. <laughs> I mean, it, it really felt like Pertwee is like, and now we're going to go have some tastios. All right, look how great this cereal is. I mean, it just, it was that, but it was of the caravan. Look how quickly I can take this apart. Right, right. <laughs> it was also, at least for me, fun to see uh, Stephen doing the his blue peter thing knowing he had done it post doctor who mm, but yeah. actually seeing him do some of that i i enjoyed that yeah. too yield yeah, purpose 
Yeah. That clip I think I had seen, but I don't think I realized that was Peter Purvis hosting. Hmm. <laughs> yep. Well, all right. Well, let's uh, move on and talk about, uh, we're doing the last two parts of Liberation of the Daleks, which was the ongoing comic strip in Doctor Who magazine that was featuring the 14th Doctor. Where's your, where's your synopsis this time, Keith? It ends. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you guys think of the wrap up of this story? Um, it's all right. Yeah. Yeah. I still sort of feel like it ended two issues ago. Yeah. Um, I, I understand why they felt like they had to have this big, you know, invasion with the golden Dalek, bringing every, everything together. And, and they had to have the big battle climactic battle at the end. It just, uh, I don't know. It, it well, sort it, of feels like it feels like a, a an RTD story where it's really great ideas and it runs up to a certain point and you're thinking this is doing really well and then you just throw a bunch of action at you at the end you know and you're like okay well it's nice eye candy but it didn't really it it really could have been over a little while ago yeah it, it suffers from what a lot of Dalek stories suffer from. Yeah. which is a pretty unique and genuinely cool concept mm -hmm. that gets explored for the bulk of the story and then must be dropped in order to tick the boxes of mm -hmm. the Dalek story needs. That's a good point, yeah. And, and yeah. so we've got two different factions of Daleks. What's going to happen? Well, they're going to fight. I mean, that's <laughs> just... We have like seven different factions of Daleks. Right, yeah, right, I mean, right. uh, and and full props to that one panel for the artwork mm -hmm. to give us yeah, the, uh, the stained glass Dalek. Yeah, which was uh, which was pretty amazing, but um, yeah, I mean, it's just like okay, we're we're gonna we're gonna fall back on our it's it's, it's like watching a master episode and wondering when the uh, you know the alien that he's helping out is going to turn on him. <laughs> right, it's just kind of waiting around for that shoe to drop, and then all the action hit kicks up, and it's like, oh, here it is. And there, okay, <laughs> we cross that <laughs> off the list. We're done. Um, yeah, I, the, the the whole idea with this protoplasmic entity Daleks, I, I was far more interested in mm -hmm. than you know them becoming real Daleks. So right. I just, I don't know, but yeah, it it it, uh, it kind of petered out for me. Mm -hmm. And the fact that Nine Lambda kind of lived and doesn't really truly resolve all of everything like the protoplasm aspects of the Daleks are all taken care of obviously but right. it, I never felt like I really got a true resolution just because there was just action 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 no resolution right mm -hmm. right well and ultimately I think what you know what it comes up for is the entire 14 issue comic was written so that we could get to the final panel mm -hmm. right. <laughs> as the, the jump off point <laughs> for the next story well, that's what i think is fascinating about this is that's what it, that, that was the scuttlebutt for a while was that oh okay well liberation of the daleks is leading up to this minisode this um what was it the uh children in need yeah but there there's actually a name for that episode i can't remember minisode i can't remember what it's called but anyway leading up to the children in need minisode and then 
when I read this, I went back after watching this and I read it and I thought, well, okay, it's almost a throwaway line that it's happening because, you know, he says that he talks about the fast return switch and going to take care of it because he doesn't want to go back to Scarrow in a hurry. And then it does tie in, but it didn't tie in like I expected it to. I guess maybe I had some expectations that I built up that weren't there. Yeah. Not to mention when, and we're let's move on to the Minnesota, because not to mention when the 14 Doctor comes out of that um, uh, TARDIS and says, I was just a woman tw- 60, minutes, 60 ago. minutes ago. I thought, wow, this whole... Uh, 14 story arc liberation of the Daleks took place in 60 minutes, <laughs> which I mean, I guess it could have, but <laughs> sums up that story though. <laughs> right. Yeah. 60 minutes. It's over. So yeah. Um, <laughs> well, what'd you guys think of the uh, children in Minnesota? There's, there's a lot to deconstruct with this one here. What a beautiful piece of fluff. <laughs> yeah it, i had it, fun watching it it is <laughs> it wasn't it, until afterwards that i learned some it is a blast it is a blast to watch i think that the guy that plays davros did a fantastic job he walked in and i thought oh this is pre-davros um in the uh, mobility unit that's what i thought too. and yeah. then as we started placing the timeline i kept thinking well wait a minute this isn't going to work because if you go back to all the other stuff, he had gradually come to the point he was at when we got to Genesis of the Daleks. So I thought, okay, this seems to be throwing all that out just for a one-off gag. And I thought, okay, I'll, I'll be fine with that. We can, we can play with that. And then the, the whole idea of the TARDIS crashing and taking off the grip, the gripper arm that obviously would have been a more effective weapon for a Dalek <laughs> or tool for a Dalek and replacing yeah. it with the, as they call it, a sink plunger, um, I thought was a great gag. I thought it was hilarious. I love that Davros comes in and has this look on his face like what in on earth has happened here. And then he likes the <laughs> the change. So I thought that was kind of fun. Um, I, I love the idea that the 14th Doctor is the one that named the Daleks, basically, because he gave the one guy the idea of how to make Trying the to anagram work. Anagram, yeah. yeah. I love that the Doctor's responsible for putting the plunger on the as a uh, tool on the Dalek. I, I loved conceptually that whole thing, and I had a lot of fun watching it. I loved watching David Tennant as the 14th Doctor. I'm so, it made me so excited for the specials, even more so. Um, I think what this was a little weird was at first was RTD's explanation for why Davros is not in the chair. Well, let's, let's not get to that yet. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Cause, cause I, I agree with you. I enjoyed all of that. I thought it was very clever, very funny. It was a very tongue in cheek kind of story short special that you expect from children in need that I, when it was done, it was like, okay, that was fun, but I don't know if I would consider that canon just because of the continuity issues the Davros presented in the story. Mm-hmm. And then I got to see the article or the, yeah. the, the quotes from RTD about it. Sean, what'd you think? I had heard part of RTD's 
article ahead of time. Mm. So I was spoiled on that particular reveal. But then I sat down and 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 and, and watched the episode and I, I I enjoyed it. I found it to be, you know, just as I said, it's delightful, it's funny, it's uh, it's cute. Is it canon? Well, yeah. Because if you consider previous children who need specials, like Time Crash, mm-hmm. <laughs> or, uh, you know, Barcelona, uh, you know, if, if, if you are going to count those, you got to count this one. And so the fan elements getting all up in arms about it, uh, eh, I mean, I, I, I guess you can be upset over that. Uh, you know, as, as, as we've said repeatedly, the earth has been destroyed by solar flares three different times in Dr. Who history. They've right. discovered Atlantis how many times and sunk it, I, you know, it, it, stuff repeats. And not only does it repeat, it repeats differently. Mm-hmm. So when you're dealing with a show about time travel and we are still coming off of the time war and deal and flux and, you know, destroying things and rebuilding them, I'm okay with, with the change. And I 100% agree with RTD's reasoning for it. I, I was going to say, I, 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 I had a real good think about it and I thought, you know, I, I think that he really does genuinely have a point. I think that if it is one more thing that we can do to make our thing more inclusive to others, then I think it is a good thing. I think it is something that is, it does not rupture the storytelling of Doctor Who in any way. All it does is change elements of it and as a, as you eloquently said you know we've we've seen the things happen time and time again and there's been things but i think more poignantly i think the thing that there was one line in this and i went go back and watch it again a couple of times to 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 listen for it but there there is a one line in this that i think explains what's happening and what what fixes kind of everything is the 14th doctor says the timelines of canon are rupturing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's true. And that being said, I think that's going to be an element going forward. And I'm not going to get into this because Keith chose not to listen to <laughs> the information that I was rumors that I were hearing. But Sean will attest that that sort of this sort of lends to something that could possibly happen uh, coming very soon from the the run of Doctor Who. And I think I would I'm sort of even okay with that to a point now as well, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, when we did our most recent rewatch of uh, the Bond films, I was really kind of struck by that. When you when you sit down and you watch them back to back to back to back to back to back to back, it becomes kind of glaringly obvious yeah. that um, we default to people with deformities as henchmen. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all hulking with metal teeth or albinos or 
scarred or, you know, uh, this one weeps blood or, you know, they're, they're, they're always the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and in some way, shape or form and bond in particular is extremely bad about it. And, um, so seeing RTD come out and explain, we just don't want to do this anymore. And it's like, that's, that's, that's noble. That's not being woke. That's right. being, you know what, let's be a little more inclusive and not point this out. Um, it's like going back and watching it's, a, it's not woke. a favorite it's, sitcom. It's common decency is what it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's like going back and watching a favorite sitcom from the eighties or nineties, and then they start making fat jokes mm-hmm. and it just, it's cringy now. And it was like, what were we thinking mm-hmm. that this was okay, that this was part of the accepted discourse at the time? Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I totally don't have a problem. And, you know, we still brought Julian, uh, uh, Julian Bleach back mm-hmm. uh, to play Davros, who, who has played Davros before. Right. And, you know, very much still looks the part. <laughs> 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 I love the fact that um, they're not hiding the fact that the Daleks are Nazis <laughs> just kind of like, yeah, I mean, the allegory's kind of always been there, especially from Genesis of the Daleks on, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but now we're just, we're just really reinforcing it. Right. Um, did anybody else think that the, uh, the, the disembodied voice on the PA system? Oh, that was, was Niter. Totally Niter. That was totally oh, Niter. Yeah, yeah, that was totally yeah, Niter. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Completely Niter. At least in my head, Cannon has Niter. It sounded just like him, and I think that was the yeah, point. Yeah, it really did. Considering they referenced the fact that, oh, I'm at Genesis Daleks. I mean, mm. <laughs> they knew what they were doing on that. Right. And it's it's interesting, too, that at least as far as uh, the, the, the Doctor's uh, timeline, they've now had three Dalek stories in a row. Going from the end of Flux into Liberation into children of need. <laughs> it's like, oh, I suppose okay. that's true. Yeah. yeah. Which maybe is why they're going to be arrested. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I did think it was funny that, um, that, uh, <laughs> they brought that out and, and Russell was talking about the, the Daleks could be arrested, arrested, the Daleks could be arrested. And then the first thing that he does <laughs> with his tenure as Dr. Who is do a Dalek story. <laughs> <laughs> And then go on to unleash saying this is how Davros is going to be moving forward. Mm-hmm. So obviously he has plans at some point to bring Daleks and Davros back. Right, right. It's not just a one-off situation. Well, I think we said last week when we talked about that, that I did, the, there's no way in heck they're going to be rested for long. So <laughs> no, <laughs> he's going to do yeah. something with them eventually. Now, I, I will say that to, to Davros the character's credit... And I'm I'm completely spitballing here because I don't know. I genuinely don't believe that that was necessarily Terry Nation's intention. No. When I think of Davros and and kind of the classic uh, Davros in the chair, it it, it makes sense that uh, his injury, he's going to move into this, you know, creating something in his own image and, and, and making the Daleks look like his travel chair right. his travel machine and, and and you know that kind of parallel 
So I get that element of it. And I really think that was more of where they were going with yeah, Davros. Yeah. But as Davros, and, and we've talked before with uh, the Dalek episodes, how Davros becomes more and more and more Dalek as he goes and loses more and more and more of his humanity. Right, right. Uh, if he ever had any. Well, yeah, eventually, <laughs> eventually he's just down to a head, so... Inside the Emperor <laughs> Dome. <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm curious to see where we go from here. Yeah, yeah. And look forward to it, because I think it'll be a, a, an interesting, as interesting as previous encounters with Davros have been. I think the potential is there for just as interesting confrontations going forward. Right, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Anything else on that Children's in Need mini-episode? A lot of fun. It's been too long. Still, still, made, me, yep, still made me excited for the, uh, um, the specials coming out. So we'll see what happens. Well, the last thing, of course, we did then was uh, we caught the red eye um, overseas because we weren't able to see um, this because uh, the Peter Davison Blu-ray box set is not out in the United States yet. But we decided to go over to the UK and take a look at season 20 uh, box set because on there is the Five Doctors 40th Anniversary Edition. So it's the 40th anniversary of the 20th anniversary story of Doctor <laughs> Who. <laughs> 20 plus 40, 60. 60. <laughs> so I don't think we need to go in too in-depth. We've obviously reviewed this story before, but let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about the updates that they did to it and some of the, what I felt, were major improvements to both the yeah. effects in the very first original and the one that they did for the... Um, what anniversary was that one that they did? Uh, the special edition and the might have been the that was the third twentieth thirtieth anniversary. I think it was the twentieth. I think it was the twentieth. Twentieth yeah. of the twentieth anniversary special of the twentieth. <laughs> yeah. So, or maybe um, it was the twenty fifth anniversary. What'd you think of the time scoop, Sean? You know, the first instance of it, I don't know that I was a fan. It was it was better than the tornado. By leaps and bounds, better than Tornado. But I still kind of miss my Phantom Zone trapezoid. By the third or fourth use of it. It's the same spirit as that, though, I think. Yes, yes, very much so. Because you see them in it. Mm -hmm. And and by the third or fourth use of it, I was like, no, I think this is really cool how they did this. And the one that nailed me was Sarah Jane. (laughs) When it puffed and there was like a uh it kicked up the dust i think it did that on bessie that's the one that i thought was the best is when it comes down on the third doctor and bessie there's a puff of dust underneath it as it takes off this, this well, what's, this, a, what's also impressive one. is there are times when when they pick up the people in the grass you see a little burn spot in the grass mm-hmm. yeah 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 yep and and that's the Sarah Jane one they they had the kind of almost like a crop circle Yes, yeah, that's pattern. right. Yes, that's the one and, that and is it, most notable. Yeah, but most importantly, Elizabeth Sladen was instructed and directed: run across the road, wave your arms in the air, hold your purse at a weird angle, and then wait. Mm-hmm. And Freeze so there. she runs across the road and freezes 
for an interminable amount of time <laughs> before this graphic comes down and grabs her. It has always bothered me. Right. As a kid, it bothered me. It right. looked awkward. And, you know, there's so much that I can forgive with Doctor Who, the wobbly sets, the, the plastic bubble wrap, the this, the that, the other. That scene has always <laughs> bugged me. And this fixes it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The way this thing comes down, it moves in faster. Yeah. It covers her up so it's not as obvious as yep. to what's going on. And then the cool effect with the, the little uh, ray kind of shooting out at the bottom, like they're being sucked up into the thing. Mm -hmm. And it lands and it gives the, the, the uh, crop circles. It's wow. And gives this a reason is for. so much cooler. <laughs> gives a reason for a um, frozen. <laughs> Uh, Sarah Jane Smith there <laughs> using mm -hmm. the imagery. Yeah. Well, and the, it just, it's, it, it's just better. Yeah. It just all around works all around better. better. The way that yeah. scene is cut works better. It's not as, no, I agree. Like I said, it's not as obvious. I don't even notice that I, I, I backed it up and watched it again. And it was like, they don't do that anymore. She doesn't, she's not frozen there in space, just waiting for this thing to snag her, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's so improved. So that was the one that really won me over. But with each successive one, I was like, this is kind of cool. Yeah. This is a nifty effect. And it, 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 it definitely is a melding between the two. Yeah. So, yeah, I was happy with that. The, uh, the monitor effect of the entrapped fourth doctor and Romana, I think was so much yeah, better. That was good. I think that yes. looked really great. Um, I think the other thing that I noticed in this, this bothered me at one point though, the Raston, uh, uh, robot, when it does the jump, it has that kind of that star effect, that, that starburst effect that it did, which I thought was a great added addition to its, you know, disappearing. It kind of gives it more of that element of it. It is sped off kind of thing. What really bothered me is they forgot to put it on two of the scenes <laughs> and so they do it and it's on all of them and then there's two that it's missing and then right after that it's there again and i thought oh that just that completely took me out of it because you forgot to put that effect on these two times that they do that the robot does that i didn't notice that yeah because i was so enamored with the, the effect i was really looking for it each time and I didn't notice the effect in the first place. So oh, it's also a good yeah. sign of the effect. It's, it's, it's this, I, I, I say it's a starburst. It's just, it's kind of a flash of white light as it disappears or as it, you know, takes off, I suppose. See, I guess I assume that was just because it's been a while since I've watched the original version. Yeah, I the, that the, original the original and the special version. edition just has it disappear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just, it's a jump thought, cut. Literally in that one scene. <laughs> I thought the effects they did on Rassilon were a nice addition as well. It makes it look less like a floating head and more like a a apparition. Yeah, yeah. I think the other thing that I thought was really, really well done is the uh, monitor shots of the Dark Tower when the uh, Fifth Doctor is referencing things on it. They use it several times. It has more of a 3D modeling look, but it's still... Oh, yeah, the but kind it, of almost uh, with the hexagons. Yeah, and the, but it yeah. still retains that kind of, you know, simplistic look that it had in the original, so it doesn't take away from it. They didn't, they didn't really throw something more modern and obviously 
different. So it, it melded well and it blended better because they used kind of, they kind of compromised on, on, on both imagery, which I thought was neat. You're talking about the console. Yes. On the console. Yeah. And they would yeah, show the, the mapping whenever they were looking at different locations mm-hmm. on it, or it would widen out so they could see like the base and the top. And when yeah. they're briefing the master. Yes. Yes. And uh, they've kind of got the whole hologram up on the yes on the wall there for him. What I, what really struck me was, uh, of course, the Death Stone is home to the game of Rassilon, and yet here we have designed this uh, overhead map that kind of sort of looks like a role playing board. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> what like it's you know those little hexagon squares that this is where your your character would go and right, you know. Right. I, it, it, it really had that vibe to it. And I thought that was very clever. Yeah. I was like, I see what you guys did there. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other effect that I noticed, uh, that was much better was whenever they would transmat in and out. That effect was really cool that they put on there, that kind of red glowish dissolve that they did, which they had put an effect on it for the 20th anniversary one. But I felt this one worked a lot better than even that one did. I think it's amazing and so much fun that we can sit here and dissect a story like the five doctors with the effect sequences. It, it just reminds me of the special edition of star Wars coming out mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and going to see that in the theater with a, you know, opening night with a, a whole room full of Uber geeks mm-hmm. and everybody having the same reaction at every new CGI thing. Yeah. <gasps> Ooh, <gasps> Uh, you know, I mean, just everybody was excited over the same stuff. Right, right. And and how impactful that was for a movie that you've seen eight zillion times. Mm-hmm. And here we are doing it to the five doctors. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yes, really. And if they've done the other special edition or special effects updates like this, I'm going to be more inclined to go back and watch those because... Mm-hmm. Previously, I had just written them off as, oh, yeah, I don't want this updated special effects. Now I kind of do. There there are some that have been done better than others. I've gone back and watched some of them. And there are some that I, I, I've watched and I've gone, oh, wow, that was uh, the imagining of that or the reimagining of how they did that was much better this time. And then there's some cases that I go, you know, I, I think I like the original effect better. So. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's definitely worth going back and looking at some of the new ones. Well, they can't, they they can't all be uh, you know trapezoid phantom zones. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> um, <laughs> better than the tornado. Better than the tornado. Much better than the tornado. I never was a fan of that silly spinning vortex thing. Still not a scoop. <laughs> I was, I thought of that. I thought I saw that thing, and after I warmed to it, and then after I got it really into it, and then my last thought was, "It's not a scoop." He's gonna complain. <laughs> we are going on a journey, a very long journey, through the world of the Target novelizations and publication order. Every week, we are looking at a new book, talking about Terrace Dix, Malcolm Hulk, and all our Doctor Who novelization friends. Whatever you do, keep turning the pages. 
this is Jason Miller of the Doctor Who Literature Podcast, a member of the Direction Point Podcast Network, and you are listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point Podcast. Well, Sean, what do we got coming up on the schedule? Coming up on the schedule, believe it or not... (laughs) <laughs> I'm still I'm still not sure I believe it. <laughs> because it's here. Yeah. Uh, Starbeast. On film. <laughs> on digital. It's, on, it's here. It's not on film. Uh, we don't, well, we don't shoot know. things on film anymore. Let me have this one, will you? <laughs> just, 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 you know, there might be some listeners that What's film? Mm, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> film. Live action. <laughs> uh, now he's going to complain about that because it's CGI or puppets or whatever. Um, yeah. So we, <laughs> that the, is the live first, action. Puppets are live action. <laughs> the first of the Doctor Who specials is here. Yay. And we will be covering it. And it's an anniversary because, you know, 60 years. And uh, we're off and running. It's, it seems like the buildup for this has been interminably slow <laughs> that we've been talking about this year being the 60th anniversary and nothing was coming and nothing was coming and nothing was coming. And then everything came mm-hmm. like the floodgates opened and there was news every week, mm-hmm. but it was still, Oh, I can't wait for this thing to get here. And now it's here. At last, it's here. So yeah, we're going to talk about it a lot. I hope you guys are ready. Nah, it's going to be a long episode. <laughs> Tell well, now. I was going to bring up too that there, if if we're able to get a hold of the colorized version of the Daleks, we may um, chat a little bit about that as well. So it might be a really long episode next week. The images that came out were pretty pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So three weeks of specials, and then uh, we're going to do a fun and games. Um, yeah. Speaking of role-playing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then some, another special. And then another special. Yeah. From Christmas this time. We are so spoiled. <laughs> we say that now. Then, right. You know, we'll, hit, we'll hit another hiatus. Right. Like, no. <laughs> oh, guess what? The next series is not until 2025. What? <laughs> <laughs> Of course, you can find we've us. Been, on... We've decided to adopt the uh, uh, Sherlock method of releasing. <laughs> yeah, things. Great! You're going to get four seasons spread over 15 years, <laughs> three episodes apiece. <laughs> <laughs> the good news is they're an hour and a half long. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you can find us on our website, travelingthevortex.com. If you get any value out of this podcast, why not consider putting some value back into it? You can do that by clicking on the patron link and support us there. When you become a patron of the podcast, you unlock more audios and specials by us. We've just uploaded another trivia quiz. So if you're a patron member and you've taken that quiz, let us know how you did. Um, Also, please consider giving us a five-star rating wherever you subscribe to this podcast. It helps bump us up in the ratings and the recommendations. And of course, you can find us on the various forms of social media. Anything else we need to talk about before we close this one? Yeah, we uh, need to point out that we were asked and were gracious enough to uh, join 
um, for my 70s TV childhood, the podcast is celebrating Doctor Who as well, specifically looking at the 70s era of Doctor Who. So go check them out. We are featured in their most recent episode. There will be an episode this week and then an episode next week, kind of two kind of categories of conversation that you can, can listen to um, a variety of uh, other Doctor Who podcast hosts uh, join the host of his show um, for the discussions. So go check that out. Yeah, that was a lot of fun to take part in that. We had a, we had a blast uh, doing that for them. And thank you again for the invite. Yes. yes. Absolutely. All right. If that's going to do it for this week, until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. And I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. Direct checkpoint! Direct checkpoint! A Doctor Who Podcast Network.